Well, tonight is uh, week four in our foundation series, and we've been giving you just an overview of what we believe uh, about major doctrines in the Bible, and we talked about uh, what we believe about the Bible, and then uh, we talked about how we arrived at the different translations of the Bible last week. Nathan did a phenomenal job. Nathan is with our pastor, uh, Pastor John, at, um, at youth camp right now, and they're having a great time. I don't know if you're uh, following along on Facebook, but it just looks like they're having a tremendous time, and our youth group is just really going through a, a unification, and uh, one of the girls went with our church, trusted Christ as Savior on Monday night, and so that's exciting. We pray for more stuff like that to happen this week, so be in prayer for them as they have just a... Uh, about two more days left, and then they'll be headed home. Uh, but tonight, my task is to talk about what we believe about the Holy Spirit. And we only have time to do just a Cliff Notes version, uh, which, Cliff, I'm sure you love that. These notes are just for you. I don't think he, I don't think he, yes, he did, you, you heard him, okay. Uh, so this is, this is uh, the Cliff Notes version of the Holy Spirit, and there's a lot of blanks before you, and I'll do my best to fill those in for you as we progress. If you'll turn in your Bibles to John chapter 14, we're going to be looking at a lot of Scripture in a lot of different locations, but if you'll keep your place there in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, chapter 16, I'll be coming back there. And uh, so if you don't want to flip around as we uh, go to different passages, you could just stay right there and you'll be right with us. Um, As I was preparing for the message about the Holy Spirit, uh, there's so much to, to think about and, and so much truth to convey, but one of the things that, that came to my mind is, you know, there are a lot of titles for the Holy Spirit throughout the scriptures. Uh, the title, helper, comforter, guide, one who comes alongside, you know, he's the giver of gifts, he's the giver of fruits, he's the producer of fruits in our lives, but uh, I think a word that really summarizes all of those titles to me anyway is friend a friend is one who comforts Uh, a friend is one who helps he wants the best for us you know he wants us to walk the right path he wishes us well and so when I think about the Holy Spirit I think about a friend and that brought a song to mind any James Taylor fans in here tonight yeah one of his most famous songs you've got a friend just call on my name And you know, wherever I am, I'll come running, right? Winter, spring, summer, fall, all you have to do is call, and I'll be there. You've got a friend. And that song came to mind. So tonight, I want to introduce you to my friend, the Holy Spirit. And before we jump into uh, the the text of Scripture, uh, one of the reasons I love our church is we go on these these, uh, short-term mission trips where we visit our missionaries that we support on the field or we go visit a manna feeding center that we support. Uh, imagine, though, if you, if you will, going to a foreign country, a place you've never been, they speak a language you do not know, and getting off the plane and you are all by yourself. No one is there to greet you. You're in a strange place with strange people. You cannot talk to anyone. You don't know uh, the rules of the road. You don't even know where to get, how to get to the place that you're supposed to stay. Wouldn't that, wouldn't that be a horrible feeling? You feel lost. That's exactly how I would feel if I went on one of these missions trips without one of our missionaries helping us. Uh, I took my girls to Guatemala not too long ago, and I can't tell you what a blessing it was for me to go to this foreign place that I've never been, 
They speak a language I do not understand. I can't tell you what a blessing it was to go with one of our missionaries and have Andrew even, my friend, waiting there. He knew the language. He knew where we were going. He knew how we were going to get there. He knew what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat. And anytime anybody asked me a question, a language I didn't understand, he stepped right up and he interpreted for me. What a blessing Andrew was. It made all the difference in my journey. And the Holy Spirit makes all the difference in our journey of life. You know, the moment we get saved, we enter into a whole new world with a whole new language. People are talking about justification, sanctification, glorification. What does all that mean? And they give us this big book and say it's God's promises for us and we need to learn it and study it. And it's it's overwhelming. We don't know what God wants from our life. But aren't you glad that he doesn't just send us on a journey by ourselves? There's a friend. And he indwells our hearts the moment we trust in him. And his name is the Holy Spirit. And that's who we're going to look at today. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity that is most noted for what he does rather than who he is. And again, I said the, the, the Bible uses words like helper, comforter, guide. Uh, but we're going to summarize that in we have a friend. And the friendship we enjoy with the Holy Spirit is so special. And hopefully you'll have that understanding when we finish tonight. Uh, there are many books that have been written about the Holy Spirit. One is called Forgotten God by Francis Chan. Another one is by uh, Pastor Morris. It's entitled The God I Never Knew. And I think these are important works, but I think more than... The Holy Spirit being forgotten, I think the Holy Spirit is more often misunderstood. And when you misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is, you misinterpret how the Holy Spirit works. Uh, so, so we're going to take a look at this friend of ours. And I want you to look, first of all, at John chapter 14, verses 16 through 18. And here we'll find that, number one, the Holy Spirit is a personal friend. He's a person a person. Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I emphasize those personal pronouns because a lot of people misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is. They think he is a substance and not a person. And so, I'm sorry, I, I forgot to click through my own stuff here. So there we go. He's a personal friend. That's number one if you take notes. And uh, I'll tell you what, I'll just give them to you clearly because I think the, the images got messed around in the slide here. So he's a personal friend. Not a substance poured out. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. The Holy Spirit is a he, not an it. A lot of people think that the Holy Spirit is some Shekinah glory cloud of pixie dust that floats around and pours out on people and makes them do, uh, to, to make them do funny thing. Or, or some people envision the Holy Spirit as like a giant pitcher of sanctified sweet tea that pours out on people for special tasks, you know, and then, and then fills them up and then they empty out and then he fills them up again. Not so. Not scriptural. But I can see how those misunderstandings might occur because some of the words associated with what the Holy Spirit does have kind of that, that, uh, that correlation. Fill, baptize, pour out. Those are just some of, the, some of the words that are used to describe some of his activities. But again, he is not an it. He is a he. The Holy Spirit is a person. 
That's why he's a personal friend. Um, can you imagine if, if I walked up to somebody that didn't know me and I was standing with my son, Drew, and, and they shook my hand and said, nice to meet you, and then they said, what is this? <laughs> well, he is my son. What does it do? <laughs> he is eight, you know, and he's, he's a person. And so you see how understanding that the Holy Spirit is a person and not um, an it, a he, not an it, is so vitally important. John 14, Jesus emphasized that, that the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, uh, because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you. That's all intentional. And maybe you're thinking, well, well Dave, I don't understand how a spirit can be a person without a body. I mean, isn't he invisible? That's true. But did you know that the same is true of you and me? When you look at me, it's not just my body that makes up Dave. In fact, my body isn't who I am at all. It's just a house that houses me, the personality of Dave. I've been in, in some rooms with people when they, when they breathe their last. And you can't see a visible departure, but when you look in their eyes, they're not home anymore. You know what I'm talking about? And so we are more than just a body. The, our, our body is just a shell. It's, it's, it, it houses us, but we will continue on. And we will continue to be a person. Personalities have a, a, an intellect. They can know things. They, they have emotions. They can feel things. And they have will. They can do things. And that's what makes up a person. And that makes up the Holy Spirit. He can think. He can know. He can feel. And he can act. He is a person, not a substance. And that's very important. The third person of the Trinity, he's God the Holy Spirit. And by the way, because he is God, he is equal to God, that means everything that God is, he is. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, and he's all-present. That leads us to number two. He's not only a personal friend, he's a present friend. A present friend. The first thing you need to understand is that the Holy Spirit was before us. Just as God came from nothing, ex nihilo, so the Holy Spirit was before us. The Holy Spirit was present at creation in Genesis 1-2. says, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Later on in verse 26, the Bible says, Let us make man in our image. Who's the us and the our? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God was a present friend before us. He predates us. In Genesis 2-7, where God breathed in the man's nostrils the breath of life, the word for breath is the same word translated elsewhere as spirit. So the spirit of God breathes life into us. So he was before us. The spirit was with judges, warriors, prophets, and kings all throughout the Old Testament. He came upon them in certain ways that gave them extraordinary power. You can see that in Joshua's life, Othniel's life, Gideon's life, Samson's life. The Spirit of God would come upon Samson and he would receive supernatural strength and do supernatural things. He came upon Saul and Saul prophesied. He came upon King David and, and David declared, The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me and his word was on my tongue, 2 Samuel 23, 2. So he was before us in creation. He was with the judges, warriors, prophets, and kings throughout the Old Testament. Let her see he was also among the Old Testament believers. He inspired them to follow God's law. In Psalm 143.10, it says, Your spirit is good, and you lead me in the path 
of righteousness. So the Holy Spirit was before us. He was with the judges, warriors, prophets, kings. He was among the Old Testament believers. The Holy Spirit also, letter D, rested upon Jesus. Looking forward to the ministry of Jesus in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit inspired the prophet Isaiah to say, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Isaiah 11.2, speaking about Jesus, the Messiah. We learned a couple weeks ago in the story of Zacharias that the Holy Spirit filled John the Baptist in his mother's womb. And then he filled Zacharias, uh, John the Baptist's dad, and he prophesied in Luke chapter 1. We also see the Holy Spirit at the baptism of Jesus. He takes on the form of a dove and he descends on Jesus like a dove as he comes up out of the water. And the Father's voice says from heaven, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. And so we have Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a present friend. But get this, this is exciting. Ezekiel 36, 27. It was prophesied that God would put his spirit in his people in a way that would cause them to live according to to his statutes, not just to be before them or with them or among them or upon them, but to be in them in a new way. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, it's better for you if I leave, because if I go, then I can send the helper and he was with you, but he will be in you. Letter E under number two, the Holy Spirit is in every believer like we just read, John 14, 17, he, he was with you, but he will be in you. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God and you are not your own? Are you telling me that the same Holy Spirit that came upon Samson to rip off the city gates and carry them to the top of a mountain, to slay all those Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey, is in me, yes, he's in me, and he's in, he's in you as well. Romans 8, 1, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, for the law of the spirit of life, he set us free from the law of sin and death. Further on in Romans 8, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. That means if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the spirit of God that was before creation, that was with all the prophets, priests, and king, the judges, that was upon Jesus, is in you. If he's not in you, you're not a Christian. That's what the Bible says. Romans 8, 11 says that the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Romans 8, 14 through 17. As many as are led by the spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And so because God's Holy Spirit is a person, he comes into a believer completely. When? When he trusts Jesus as Savior. That's when. I mean, if the Holy Spirit is a person, he behaves like a person. You're a person. How do you come in? To a place. Do you open the door and then just stick your toe in and wait for a while? See if they really want you in there. And then if they feel like, you know, if, if, if they're asking for more, you slip a leg in and you wait until they do right or until the temperature's right and then you poke your head in. And then maybe later 
If they want it bad enough, you step in all the way? No. When you step into them, you come in. All of you. You can't have part of a person. You have to get all of the person. I grew up in a Pentecostal church. And uh, they misunderstand how the Spirit works because they misunderstand who the Spirit is. And they, they, they believe that you're saved the same way. They believe that Jesus is the way, the truth, the life. No man comes to the Father except through Him. I was saved in a Pentecostal church. We're going to heaven with some Pentecostal people. And all the Baptists said, Amen. We need them, right? It's going to be kind of boring. But... They believe that you get enough of the Holy Spirit to save you, but you don't get all of the Spirit. So you need to now pursue the baptism of the Holy Ghost as evidence with speaking in other tongues. You see, they use Acts as a doctrinal description for how the Holy Spirit works, when really Acts is a transitional book to show the grand entrance of the Holy Spirit doing a new work in the church. And he's unifying the Jewish believers with the Gentile believers uh, with people who are followers of John the Baptist, and he uses the same sign to unify the church. But once the church is unified, then that's gone. And now he's in every believer that believes in him. And so they would ask this question growing up. They would ask, are you saved? Yes, I am. Well, do you have the fullness of the Holy Ghost? Anybody ever heard that question? Do you have the fullness of the Holy Ghost? Well, yeah, because you can't get part of a person. See, the moment we trust Christ, we get the fullness of Him. The question is not, do we have the fullness of the Holy Ghost? The real question is, does the Holy Ghost have the fullness of us? It's not a matter of pursuing more of Him. It's a matter of surrendering more of us to His control and His leadership. So God sent His Holy Spirit to us to dwell in us, to live through us, to intercede for us. We're going to talk about more of His work later. Another great thing about this friend who is present in us is that His presence is permanent. Now, we've reserved a whole, um, we've reserved a whole lesson on this, and I'll be, I'll be able to share that later, but he is, he is permanent. He's a friend that will never leave us or forsake us. Proverbs 18.24 says that He's a friend that sticks closer than any brother. Hebrews 13.5, He will never leave us or forsake us. Philippians 1.6, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He'll be there till the end. He started it. He will finish it. I lived in Montana up to my junior year of high school, and I was best friends with a guy. I've known him for four years. His name was Clay. And when my dad told me that we were having to move to Virginia, I was heartbroken because I'm going to have to leave my, my best friend, Clay. This is before cell phones and FaceTime and all that stuff. So, I mean, this is pretty permanent. And guys aren't good at writing letters. So, I mean, this was it. And I remember Clay came over, we had the whole house packed up, and we were really cool, you know, we were trying to be cool and uh, non-emotional, but he came over and he said goodbye to me, and it ripped my heart out, because I had to leave my friend. Nobody knew me better than him, and he cared for me uh, in spite of all that, and I had to leave him. It's hard to leave, friends, isn't it? But the Holy Spirit is present in us, and he will never leave us. He will never forsake us. We have a friend that's always there. The house of our heart that he moves into is not a hotel. He doesn't check in, check out, check in, check out. He moves in to stay. He makes our heart his home. Not only is he a personal friend, he's a person, not a substance. Not only is he a present friend, he is in us. He is a purposeful friend, number three, a purposeful friend. And he's purposeful in several ways. And again, this is just a Cliff Notes version 
but he's purposeful in our salvation. Letter A, in our salvation. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body. There's that word baptized. There's one baptism. It's when we're saved and we trust Christ. And when we trust Christ, we're regenerated by the Holy Spirit. He quickens us, makes us alive in him, and then he baptizes us into the body of Christ. It's a spiritual baptism into the church. There's one baptism, many, many fillings, one baptism. We may have time to get to the fillings here, but one baptism, okay? Whether Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, we've all been made to drink into one spirit. Ephesians 1, 13 through 14, In him you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. And so in our salvation, the Holy Spirit is the one who, who quickens us and he seals us and he baptizes us into the family of God. He draws the unbeliever. He convicts us of sin. He regenerates our souls. He, he baptizes us into the body of Christ. He brings gifts. He bears fruits. He seals and secures we believe that the Holy Spirit of God starts, continues, and will finish the work of salvation in the life of every single believer. He's purposeful also in our sanctification. Sanctification. And that's the process of being made like Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1-2 says that we are elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in sanctification of the Spirit for obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. 2 Thessalonians 2.13, But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. Paul says in Galatians 5.16-17, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary to one another. So walk in the Spirit. So the, the Holy Spirit is purposeful in our salvation. He is purposeful in our sanctification. He's the good friend that always makes the great suggestions. Don't do that. You don't want to do that. You probably shouldn't go there. You need to do this. And we need to hear his voice and heed his voice. He wants the best for us. He lovingly guides us into all truth. He gives us discernment. He prompts us to serve, to share. He imparts wisdom. He sets us apart in holiness. He wants to make us like Jesus. That's his goal. You know, if you've been good friends with someone for a long time, they have an impact on your conduct, don't they? They influence how you think. They influence where you go. They influence what you watch, what you listen to, what you eat, who you're with. And you know, you know what's a sad truth? And I hate to say this, but I'm going to go ahead and say it. I meet people all the time in church that claim to have known the Holy Spirit for a long time. And they're not even nice. You're telling me that every believer is indwelt by the powerful presence of God whose purpose is to set us apart and to sanctify us and make us like Jesus and that he's your best friend and you've known him 30 years and you're not even kind? The fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, gentleness. Anyway, that's a side sermon. 
But if you're not displaying the fruit, you may not have the root. You may not know, my friend, the Holy Spirit. So he's purposeful in our salvation, our sanctification. Let us see in Jesus' exaltation. Let me, let me give you just a, just a tip here. A ministry that highlights the Holy Spirit is not of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit highlights Jesus. Can I say that one more time? A ministry that highlights the Holy Spirit is not of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit highlights Jesus. I think they should rename TBN. Instead of the Trinity Broadcasting Network, I think they should call it the third person of the Trinity Broadcasting Network. Have you noticed? It highlights the Holy Spirit as some mystical power that you need so that you can prosper in life. In my opinion, they use Him. Anything that doesn't lift up Jesus is not of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 16, if you're close, turn over there. John chapter 16, let me read a passage of Scripture for you. Jesus said, but now I go away to Him who sent me. This is verse 5 through 14. John 16 Verses 5 through 14, he says, But now I go away to him who sent me. And none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they do not believe in me, of righteousness because I go to my Father, and you see me no more, of judgment because the ruler of this world is judge. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will speak on his own authority. He will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Verse 14, he will glorify me. Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will glorify me. He makes much of Jesus, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. And so beware of a ministry that glorifies anyone but Jesus Christ. Isn't that, a good, isn't that what a good friend does? He puts others first. You first. Be my guest. You know what's interesting about those manna trips when we go and and Andrew is such an incredible helper. By the way, he's not here tonight. Please tell him I compared him to the Holy Spirit. He'll get a kick out of that. One of the, another thing that, that relates is when we get back from these awesome trips, we talk about all the amazing experiences that we had that Andrew facilitated, but we don't talk much about Andrew. Just like the Holy Spirit. He helps us in so many ways, but who does he honor? Who does he glorify? Who does he promote? Jesus Christ. That's his job. 1 John 4, 1 through 3 says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. Does it glorify Jesus? A spirit that is all about Jesus is the Holy Spirit. Finally, number four, he is not only a personal friend, he's not only a present friend, in every one of us, he's, he's not only a purposeful friend, he is a powerful friend. You talk about a friend in high places, the Holy Spirit of God. When we were on vacation last year in Kentucky, we 
on just a random day. We were looking for stuff to do, so we went to uh, this old uh, airport museum off of Kentucky Bluegrass International Airport. Just this out-of-the-way place. We're walking through there looking at some of the old helicopters and planes, and we noticed this young, sharp guy that was there, looked a little out of place by himself, walking around, you know, checking doors, looking at hallways, uh, looking out on the tarmac. We had no idea who this guy was, so we walked up to him and started a conversation with this young man. His name was Stephen. And uh, we, we discovered that he was on the advanced planning team for the vice president of the United States. And Vice President Mike Pence would be landing the next day uh, at that location, not at the main airport, but off to the side. They wanted to be discreet. And uh, we struck up a conversation with him and exchanged numbers. He calls us later that evening said, I'm allowed so many guests on the tarmac. Would you folks be interested in meeting the vice president? And so we gave him our names, and he vetted us, and he, he found out more about us than we even know. I need to ask him some questions about Don, actually. That just came to mind. But... Uh, we were vetted and, and showed up, and actually, I, I wasn't able to go that time, but my family went, and they got to meet the Vice President of the United States. And you'll never see this guy on TV. Yeah. He's not uh, famous. He's very behind the scenes, but he facilitated them meeting a very important person, much like the Holy Spirit. And it was really cool for us because we have some friends in high places. We actually got to meet the Vice President again when he came to Dallas. Our friend Stephen, the obscure guy in the background called us again said hey would you like to come we went out we were in the most secure place on the dfw metroplex and got to meet not only uh, the vice president but also ted cruz and uh, who else was with him i don't even remember some other famous guy and his and his wife no not donald trump yeah <laughs> in fact i told Stephen, well we're in the secure place there's a there's military you know their dallas um, swat was all over the place they were flying over the tarmac with a spotlight because it was at night just to make sure there were snipers everywhere. I said, man, I bet this is the most secure place on the planet. He said, no. He said, it's the second most secure place on the planet. Uh, the, the most secure place is where Donald Trump was. Anyway, a friend in high places. Everybody loves to have a friend in high places. Well, we have a very powerful friend. And he is in us. He is our guide. His power is unlimited. It's unhindered. It's unmatched. He has creation power, regeneration power, conviction power, resurrection power. And he's within us. When the Spirit of God made his grand entrance in a new way on the day of Pentecost, the place where the disciples were waiting was shaken, and there was a sound like a mighty rushing wind. And men and women who were in hiding behind locked doors, after the Spirit of God indwelled them, they went outside into a hostile environment and boldly preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Peter preached to a hostile crowd who had crucified Jesus. And he preached with such power through the Holy Spirit that 3,000 people fell under conviction and were saved. We have a powerful friend. The Holy Spirit can bring life. He can also bring death. We won't go into the whole Ananias and Sapphira story. We must not forget that this personal, present, and purposeful friend is also powerful. 1 John 4, 4 says, Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Quickly, we'll run through these. He empowers us to do many things. And again, this is just a, a short list. We could go on and on. But he empowers us to pray. He empowers us to pray. Romans chapter 8 again. 
verses 26 and 27, it says, Likewise, the Spirit also, He helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. You know, I really didn't understand what this meant for a while until I went through one of the darkest moments of my life. And it was a, it was a I, I just found out news that my dad had passed and, and it just devastated me. And I remember I didn't know what to do, so I just went back into our bedroom. I laid face down on the bed and I just, I just cried and groaned. I, I, I didn't even think I'm going to groan right now. I just groaned. It was like one of those out-of-body experiences where you see yourself doing something and you can't believe it's happening. I, I just laid there on my face. I didn't speak in tongues. I just groaned and moaned. And this verse came to my mind. The Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He searches the heart. He knows the mind of the Spirit because He makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. You ever had that? The Spirit of God helps us pray let her be, he also helps us praise. Psalm 40, verse 3, he's put a new song in my mouth. Praise to our God. Many see it in fear and will trust in the Lord. Ephesians 5, 18 through 21, do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. By the way, that's a daily thing. The, the actual language there says, be being filled. So one baptism into the body of Christ and many fillings. That's just surrendering your house the house of your heart, that's saying, I'm going to open all the doors to the house of my heart. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. You need to do that every single morning. Holy Spirit, fill me completely. Fill me up. Be being filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another, what happens when we're filled? In, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. The Holy Spirit puts a song in your heart, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father. So he helps us pray, he helps us praise, he helps us let us see to, dis to discern truth. We've already read this, John 16, 13. Jesus said, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He'll give you direction. He also, letter D, helps us to overcome the flesh and live a victorious Christian life. Galatians 5, 16 again says, I say then, walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We're supposed to live and walk according to the Spirit so we can overcome the flesh. Letter E, he helps us witness, witness, or think E for evangelism. It's one of the things the powerful Holy Spirit does. Acts 1.8, Jesus says, when you, when you go and wait, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit doesn't empower us so that we can promote ourselves or even promote Him. He empowers us so we can tell other people about Jesus. You want to see a Spirit-filled person? It's a person who's telling other people about Jesus. Because if they're filled with the Holy Spirit, He's empowering them to be a witness for him. Luke 12, 11 says, Now, when they bring you to the synagogues and magistrates and authorities, do not worry about how or what you should answer or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will t teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. He'll give you the words. Have you ever had that experience? A door of, of, of opportunity opens for you to share Christ with someone, and all of a sudden you just find yourself sharing the gospel. It's just there. 
And your, your fear is overcome by faith, and all of a sudden, you feel the Holy Spirit just taking over and speaking through you. In Acts 4.31, when Peter and John had been arrested, and they were scolded and beat, and they said, don't tell anybody about Jesus. They went back to their house church, and they told them what they had, uh, what they had told them, to, that they had to be silent. And they all prayed together. And in verse 31, it says, And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they spoke the word of God with boldness. That is the result of being filled with the Holy Spirit, is you are witnessing for Jesus Christ. You have a bold witness for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is, a, is my best friend. He's my best friend. He's a personal, present Purposeful, powerful friend. And one thing that I've, I've known to be true is that if you show me your friends, I'll show you your future. And so my question to you tonight is, do you know my friend, the Holy Spirit? Do you know Jesus as your personal Savior? If you've trusted in Jesus by grace through faith, the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in your heart. The same powerful Holy Spirit that was present in creation that came upon the Old Testament prophets and judges and rulers and kings, the same Spirit that rested upon our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the same Spirit who at His grand entrance shook the room and gave cloven tongues of fire, the same Spirit that empowered Peter to preach the gospel where 3,000 people were saved is the same Holy Spirit that lives in you. You say, man, I sure don't feel like a disciple like that. Man, I don't feel like I compare to any of those Old Testament saints. Well, there's only one way you can change that. You got to surrender your heart to him. And so my question to you tonight is not, do you have the fullness of the Holy Spirit? Because you do. My question to you tonight is, does the Holy Spirit have the fullness of you? Imagine that your heart is a house. And you invite this house guest in. And you say, hey, come on in. Make yourself at home. What's mine is yours. Have you all invited a, a guest into your house and said those things? What's mine is yours. Make yourself at home. We're just going to run to Walmart real quick. We'll be right back. And you leave and you go to Walmart and you come home. And all of a sudden, the refrigerator door is hanging open. The music is cranked up loud. There's lights on in every room in the house. You're looking around for the guests. You can't find them anywhere. You search every room. You hear something uh, moving around in your closet. So you go through the bedroom. You go back into your closet. And your house guest is sifting through all your papers and trying to unlock your gun safe and just going through all your private stuff. That drawer that you have, he's going through the drawer. And you say, what are you doing? And the house guest says, I thought you told me to make myself at home. I thought you said, what's yours is mine. I'm just taking you at your word. Well, do you know what we do with the Holy Spirit? We get saved, we invite him in, we say, man, my life is yours, God. And then he starts going through our drawers. And we say, whoa, 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 whoa. Don't go there. Whoa, whoa, don't go over there. I didn't say that you could. And we start locking doors in the house of our heart. And we confine the Holy Spirit to the back room. And we say, you know what, on Sundays you can come out in the living room. But then after that you got to go back. Because I'm running the show here. You know what we need to do? Even Baptists, we need to hand all the keys over to the Holy Spirit and say, why don't you just run this place? Nobody better. Nobody more qualified. 
I give it all to you. Every nook, every cranny. Do a big house cleaning in my life. Maybe then we would see some of that power that exists already in the person of the Holy Spirit. Maybe then people will see fruit like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. I like to be around people like that, don't you? They feed me the fruit of the Holy Spirit.